The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Hello, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of this wonderful show that I am so honored to share with all of you. It is all about hope. And my guest today has turned tragedy into something wonderful, giving hope to, well, you're about to hear to whom she gives hope. But I have to tell you first, those of you who follow me regularly, you know I have this crazy lifestyle. And Ty and I are traveling around the country right now in our RV. We're houseless while we build a new house, but we're also taking the messages of hope on the road. And we arrived in Lake Tahoe, California yesterday, and it is absolutely gorgeous here. I'm looking at snow-capped peaks, and this is summer. It's beautiful. Never been here before, but the problem is it's July 4th weekend, and so many tourists are here, they're eating up all the bandwidth on the Internet. Our hotspot wasn't working at the campground, so we drove out to a Starbucks, and I figured I'd get piggyback off their signal from the car in the parking lot, and that didn't work. So you know what I'm doing today? I'm sitting at a little table outside of Starbucks like those people that do radio shows live on on site, and that's what I'm doing. So people are going to be walking by hearing me talk to all of you, and it's so chilly here that St. Ty just ran to the Ace Hardware store and just handed me a blanket that he bought to put over my legs. So I don't know if it's that old Navy can-do attitude, but we can do anything to bring my guest to you today. I want to bring her on right now before I tell you the backstory. Her name is Jen Dulski, and you are going to love her. Jen, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. <laughs> and you're coming to us from work. You are, um, I want to share with everybody that you are an attorney. And I just thanks, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, to share with all of us. Yep, absolutely. Well, let me tell you all how I, I came to know Jen. Um, I was reading the audio reading the book, Messages of Hope, my book, for the audio version. I did that at Unity village in the middle of the country in Kansas City. And while I was reading the book, this was last April, I had forgotten that back when I wrote the book, the very first money that I made as a medium from doing a reading for people, we decided to donate money to any charity that our Susan, who passed, would have loved. And our very first check went to an animal sanctuary. 
And as I was reading the book, I realized it's been a while since we donated to animals because we had decided after that to donate scholarships. And Ty and I, over the years of my doing this work, have given several scholarships to single moms. So as I read Messages of Hope, I thought, well, I think the next one, the next check we give for charity should be an animal charity. And I just kind of put that aside. Well, that weekend, Ty ran into somebody at a retreat that I did there at Unity Village that weekend, Larry Savoie, Laurie Savoie, and they got to talking, and Laurie told Ty that she was on her way to visit her friend, Jen Dolsky, who runs this wonderful animal sanctuary for old dogs. So I hadn't known any of this when Ty went online in the evening and was Googling this sanctuary, and he looked up at me, and without knowing about the thought that I'd had that we needed to donate to a sanctuary, he says, hey, Suzanne, I found this wonderful place right near here in Kansas City called called Always and Forever. That's F-U-R, forever. He said, I think we should give them a check. And I said, well, that sounds incredible because that's just the thought I had in my mind. So those of you listening can hopefully see a little God thing in the works here, because what are the chances of that happening just after I had that very thought? And I said, you know, Ty, uh, we're just spending the day here tomorrow after the big retreat this weekend. Why don't we go in person? And he thought that was a great idea. And Laurie set it up for us to meet Jen. She actually came home from work at lunchtime or in the morning to meet us there and showed us around. So, boy, I'm talking a lot here, aren't I, Jen? (laughs) I don't know if you're familiar with the whole backstory. You may have forgotten all of it. But when we went into that sanctuary, she has this barn where the dogs are kept. And I was expecting a bunch of kennels lined up. But if any of you saw the picture I posted on Facebook about this dog sanctuary, you'll see it's far from kennels. It's all these couches lined up in this big living room-like setting with the dogs flopped all over them, the most welcoming place you could ever imagine. The dogs are running around just having fun. It's like hospice for dogs, but they're all just happy, happy, happy. There was so much love there that Ty and I kept exchanging glances like, our check isn't big enough. Our check isn't big enough. And we kept doing that thing that husbands and wives do where you, you know, you, you silently send signals. And by the end of our visit and after Jen showed us all the good things that they do there, we wrote out a check that was way more than our original amount. And the reason I share it with you all is because it was just this, the love that was present. It just, just, just took the legs out from under us. We were such emotional basket cases, both of us, our eyes filling with tears. And then uh, to find out Jen's backstory, which we're going to share with you today, is truly amazing. So, Jen, that's my long story. And we'll share a little bit more about what happened, that little surprise you got a little bit later. But I'd like you to share, and no need to keep it short, the, the real backstory that you have to how always and forever came to be. Sure. Well, um, you know, I was thinking about that today and I'm like, it almost feels like everything that's happened in my life has led up to where I am today, which is hard to, to admit because I, there was a really dark time in my life. Um, in June of 2015, it's actually four years ago on the 23rd. Um, I lost my best friend, uh, to an accidental uh, drug overdose. 
And to anyone that has lost someone that they love with their whole entire heart, um, pretty much my world went black. And yeah. um, my, I was just, it was like you're living life one day and then all of a sudden, I'm not even kidding, the floor falls out from underneath you. And um, the shock of it and the reality of grief and loss, um, I had never, honestly, I had never known that type of pain. Um, she actually was on life support for five days. So uh, I sat there with her and I was in Boston and she was in Chicago and I flew back and um, I mean, holding her hand and you know, I, I can even talk about this now. There was a time when I couldn't even talk um, oh, at I'm all. Sure. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not even exaggerating in that I laid on a couch for a year, and all I could do was work and cry, and um, that's how I survived. Um, well, I know and, that many people who are listening can totally identify with what you're saying, and so many of the souls who I bring through from the other side of my readings have passed from drug overdoses, so I know that mm-hmm. many listening are well familiar with that path. And, uh, you know, in 2015, talking about drug overdoses, that's kind of when awareness started to come into play, but it was still taboo. Um why yeah. are you grieving so hard for someone who did this to herself? And that's what I found when I would publicly share. All I knew how to do when I lost her was write about how much pain I was in and cry. I was very, I was a professional crier and grief writer. <laughs> um, so I would share my, I would share my pain in these grief groups, and I would share it on my own Facebook page. And I got, um, I pretty much scared everyone completely because unless you've lived through it. Um, to read and not be able to do something about someone who's in so much pain. Um, it's very, very hard for people who love you or care about you to handle. So I found comfort in grief groups that allowed me to share all the worst thoughts that came into my head because I needed somewhere um, to spit them out. And um, that's really what I did for a year. I um, I cried and I wrote and um, after that first year on the anniversary of her passing, I had no idea what to do on that day because I, I well, first I was convinced I was literally going to die on my birthday because no heart could ever imagine mm. surviving that much pain. And then mm. I was convinced I was going to die on her birthday, even though no, no actions, no nothing. I was like, that's it. My heart's it's going to explode. Um, it was just in so much pain. And then on her anniversary, I didn't know what to do. And, um, it's funny because when you go through such a loss, you find out who your real friends are and some people leave your life and some people come into it. And, um, the people that I needed to come into it to survive did. And one of those people was um, Sue George and she, we didn't know what to do. So I'm like, what do I do on her anniversary? And I'm like, I'm going to go lay at her grave and cry because that's, mm-hmm. that's what I physically knew I could do. Mm-hmm. But um, other people, they do memorials and they do different, different things, acts of kindness. So I said, Sue, if I give you this money, could you go out and do a bunch of things for people that will make them smile um, when I was in such a dark place so that at least I knew somebody was smiling on a day that I was so sad. Let me stop right there for a second. All of you listening, doesn't that just 
touch your heart that something in Jen knew that she needed to turn that grief outward. And so even though she was still crying, she wanted to make other people feel good and gave her friend just a handful of money and said, go help people in honor of her friend. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I gave, um, I I think I gave her a thousand dollars and I said, do whatever you want with it to make other people smile. And she just, and then we thought about it and we're like, well, if we're going to do this one day, why don't we do this more? So, Mm -hmm. um, I am a lawyer. I do 40 act work, but, um, in prior part of my career, I had done pro bono work setting up nonprofits. So I was like, well, I'll just set us up as a nonprofit. And we went back and forth and we thought we'd call it Sam's Devotions. Um, and Sam adored kids. Uh, so we focus a lot. So on the day of her anniversary of passing, um, Sue and her partner, Joe, ran out and they passed out uh, free kids, free tickets to the zoo for kids to get in. They passed out ice cream. They brought pizza to fire stations. They bought pizza to police stations. They passed out cookie cakes. Everything was about just making someone smile. And as I was laying there at her grave, she would send me these pictures of all these people that Mm. were smiling because of just a really simple act of kindness that they did. And that um, must have been a really bittersweet day for you, ups and downs. So it was beautiful moments um, again during, because the first anniversary, it's like you relive every moment of the loss and the shock. I don't even, I can see myself in third person of the first year that it happened. And then mm-hmm. I don't know how I survived. I, I truly don't know how I survived. And, and people well, that you were meant me, to do what comes next. There's no doubt. Yeah. And, and everybody says that, you know, you have, I'm at the point now where I, I can say, you know, I have, I have good days and I have bad days and, before, I could never say I had a good day. Every day was a bad day um, because she was gone. Um, but that's that's how Sam's devotion started, um, just something to do on her anniversary that made a really dark day a little bit brighter for someone else, and I found that it helped me. Um, kind of a progression of that was I was still in these grief groups, I was still in a really dark place, um, I used to think I had faith. I used to go to church all the time, believe in God, heaven. And then, you know, you really don't know what you believe until you're tested, I guess, Um, because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it was like, what? Where'd she go? Um, I can't find her. I don't understand. Um, And I, I lost all my faith. I really, I, I honestly did. Um, And it took so many amazing people to come in and help me know that there is a heaven, there is God, there is love, and there is life after loss um, on earth and in heaven. Um, And that took me so long to get there. And it's a continual progression. So I'll just keep talking. You can interrupt me anytime. No, you keep, um, you're doing a great job. Keep going. (laughs) But from the end, from the anniversary, um, on my birthday, I was like, well, I don't, want, I don't want anyone to buy me anything. Do something for others, that kind of thing. And her, Sam's birthday was in September, and she was going to turn 26. And the first birthday that she turned 25, right after she passed, I couldn't do anything. Again, I, I laid at her grave and had all the awful thoughts of just not wanting to be here. But when she turned 26, um, I was like, well, we have Sam's devotions going. I'm going to, 
I was in these grief groups and I'm like, I know so many people that are suffering, um, that have lost children, that have lost siblings. Um, and I was like, well, I wanted to focus on them. And I figured if I couldn't buy Sam a birthday present, um, I would send them a present from their loved one that they lost in heaven. So I thought, well, I'll pick 26 of my closest grief friends and I will send them a blanket or a mug or a pillow with all their loved ones' pictures on it so they knew somebody cared um, that their loved one was gone. And then, so we called it, um, it was, I said, I would message them. I didn't really know them, but everybody knew me because I would write a lot. Yeah. Um, and I would be like, do you mind if I, if you send me your address? I promise I'm just sending you something um, kind that will hopefully help your heart. And actually everybody did. And when I started reaching out to them, what was going to be 26 ended up being about 110 people that I sent um, gifts to. And um, so from that, um, the grief group that I was in, I won't mention them, they kicked me out and they kicked all the people that I sent the gifts to out because they said I was soliciting because they started posting pictures and saying thank you. And they were their own nonprofit. And I was like, well, I don't want anything. I just wanted to send something kind um, Mm -hmm. so that they knew someone cared. And then I found myself in a situation where we had 40, 50 people that had nowhere to share their grief. And Mm -hmm. um, somebody said, well, why don't you start a Facebook group? And so I did. And I called it Hope ASAP. We all thought of um, the name together and it's Hope um, after substance abuse passing uh, but really, uh, truly, you know, it's kind of all over everyone who has suffered a loss. Anyone is welcome in there to share that. But that's how that group started. And then Amazing. All, all this time, I had just moved to Boston from Chicago. And my family and all my friends and Sam were still in Chicago um, in 2014 when I moved. And she passed in 2015. So I knew pretty much no one in Boston, very few friends. Um, Well, that's rough. So I was, and and when when you're suffering like that emotionally, um, you know, you're not the type of person, you know, when someone's happy and positive, it's so easy. Like everybody wants to be around that. It attracts it. But when you're in a dark place and you're lost, um, you know, people, it's hard, you know, people don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. And I honestly didn't want anyone in my life then. So I pretty much had me and my dogs. And to be honest, um, the first three months after she passed, I couldn't even hold my dogs. I couldn't look at them. Everything reminded me of her. Um, so it was just a lot of progression of, healing. And in 2016, December, a recruiter randomly reached out to me and I was at a big law firm in Boston. And she said, um, I have a position in-house in Kansas. And I was like, Kansas, um, I don't even know really where that is. Um, and, but then I looked it up. I'm like, Oh, it's in between Illinois and Colorado. And I have family in both. And I'm like, I am dying inside and I need change. And I knew it. And, um, So I came out, I did the interview, and the people were just so kind and wonderful. Mm -hmm. And it was basically an eight to five job. And I was like, holy heck, though, this is a big suburb. And I have lived in cities. And this is Overland Park, Kansas. And I was like, okay. So I did a little tour with the real estate agent. I'm like, wow, this is because, you know, I came for the interview. It's and they beautiful, brought a real estate though. <laughs> and it's 
so beautiful. It is. But, you know, so I was like, okay, well, I have nothing to lose. I'm, I'm in, I need something. And so I just, I just took it and it was a ridiculous pay cut. And, you know, (laughs) but when you're at the point where you need life to be different, um, it was the perfect opportunity to, um, try, try to start fresh. Um, even though I didn't want to, again, you know, heaven was the very best place that I could ever see myself going, but I was like, well, I'll just give Kansas a try. So I packed everything up. I managed to, uh, amazingly, I don't even know how I did it. I put the house on the market and it sold the next day and I was in corporate housing, um, out here and to take my dogs from a house with a fenced in yard and a dog door to corporate apartment, they were miserable. I was miserable. It was like zero (laughs) degrees in Kansas. I'm like, this place is awful. And so I was only three weeks into it and I was standing outside at GNC and I was like, I need a reason to want to wake up. And I was like, I live in Kansas. Land is cheaper here. And somehow it magically came in my head that I'm going to start a dog rescue. I have senior dogs. They're just going to sleep all day. And I'm going to buy a farm. I have no idea what I'm doing or how to do it, but I'm going to make it happen. So now I need you to stop right there because all of you listening, I know some of you got goosebumps right now because we recognize a God wink when we hear one and, and just the universe putting thoughts in our head. I mean, imagine we have an attorney that's a big Boston attorney and now she's finding herself in Kansas and out of the blue says, I'm going to buy a farm. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Well, I'm having that. I am anti-bugs, anti-nature. I don't like being outside. Um, I'm afraid of everything. So it's 100%, 100%, even my family, they don't even know, it's not even me, I'm, I'm scared of mosquitoes, I probably will crash my car if there's a mosquito in the car, but that's just, I mean, so, but I, I was determined, and just to tie it back in, I wrote into the Hope group, I wrote, I just moved to Kansas, I'm buying a farm, and someone in there of the 2,000 people wrote, oh my God, Jen, I live in Overland Park, let's meet oh for coffee. God. And I was like, what? I was like, I don't even like people. I don't, I'm not going to meet someone for coffee. I never go out. Uh, but I did. And I, she was so kind. And she's like, I know a realtor who can help you if you want. So I called the realtor and she was amazing. And we looked for farms for two weeks. And I was like, that's it. These are too expensive, too run down, too big. It's over. I have no patience for anything. I like to get things done. Um, and she goes, it was a Friday night. And she's like, you know, I have a family who I'm good friends with. Um, They lost their daughter a little while ago, and um, they were thinking of selling their farm last year, but they just weren't ready to leave Kansas, but they want to move to be closer to their other daughter in Texas. And she's like, let me reach out to them. They're wonderful people and see if they might want to sell because it would be perfect um, for you. It's just a little farm. She's like, I'll get back to you. And then the next day, Saturday morning, I'm not even kidding you, I think it was 6.30 in the morning, I'm at the gym, um, and I used to go to the gym. That was one thing that I did in my grief. Um, I, I've always been an athlete. I've always lifted. I've always worked out. Um, but when she died, I physically couldn't move. Um, I, would yeah. go and sit, I would go to the gym, and I would sit in a corner with my headphones on and cry. So if anybody saw me uh, in yeah. those years, um, that's actually what I was doing, I and I was like, well, at least I went to the gym because I got out of yep. the house. Um, but that Saturday Perfect. morning, for some reason, I was sitting in the corner 
crying. And I was listening to sad music too. So I, you know, mm, that I, doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't help. But when I'm sad, I, I go all in, whatever I do, I go all in. So, um, I was sitting in the corner, um, did just tears were just falling. Um, cause I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and she called me and she goes, Jen, you wouldn't believe this. Jamie called me this morning. I didn't even reach out to her and she wants to put the farm on the market. She didn't even reach out to her. And no, she called so, her. Jamie called. Ooh, Tammy, I didn't yeah. know part of this magic. I didn't know yeah, this part of this so magical story. She called oh. her, and she. So that's why she called me so early. And she's like, oh, "I'm going man. to meet her." She's like, "You have to meet her today." So that afternoon, I went out there, and she had shared my loss. Um, and I can't even. These are the most wonderful, loving people. And we talked a little bit about her family, and they had lost their 11-year-old daughter um, a few years back to cancer. And um, it's just everything that led up to where I am now, I I will always say it's 100% heaven connected because the pieces of the puzzle wouldn't have lined up if there wasn't more to the story. Um, And then the shocking part was they listed it exactly at the price that I could afford. We were closed and signed and I moved in, in March of 2017. Um, I, the one thing I was like, I've got to get permits for this. I've got to figure this all out. At first they didn't want me to turn the barn into um, the actual shelter. There were so many hoops that I had to jump through with the zoning board, but what could have been years turned out into months of approvals um and i got i got it approved to have the barn uh be the shelter with the building permit um and then we flipped the switch to okay time to actually turn this into construction which i know less than nothing about and uh, i need to stop you here we have just one minute to the break just to remind everybody we're talking with jen dulski who is the founder and uh principal person with always and forever Midwest Animal Shelter. And after the break, we're going to talk all about the magic that has ensued since she started this shelter. But as you can see, it's all resulted from the passing of her friend and the fact that, as my guide Sanaya always say, when your heart's in the right place, things fall into place. And Jen, before you go ahead with your story and before we break, I just have to tell everybody that when Ty and I stepped onto the property of the farm. What's the name of the farm? Ever After Farm. Ever After Farm. It is a little slice of heaven. Picture this property with this perfect little pond, the red barn, the red house. She has, it is a slice of heaven, heaven, and the perfect sanctuary for you as well. So we're going to take a break now, but please come back because This is an animal sanctuary like none you've ever heard of. And as you can tell already, Jen Dolsky is a woman like none you've ever heard of. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, celebrating Pride Month with the LGBTQ community.
Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you enjoy our programming, we invite you to support it by visiting unityonlineradio.org and clicking on Donate Now. Help us continue to provide inspiring content to everyone. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Wendy Craig Purcell, taken from a talk called The Plan Unfolds. I know in those times in my life where the changes have been hard and difficult and painful, that one of the things that has helped me to deal with them is to realize, oh my gosh, this is not just ultimately for my own growth and my own benefit, but it's going to help me in some way to be a benefit of other people. And so very important to this idea of true new beginnings is that it usually begins not with something that we've changed out here and have said we want this to be the new beginning, but we're beginning to feel something moving or healing or changing inside of ourselves. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Hi, this is Lisa Williams. I'm launching a brand new online course called Enhance Your Intuition, Unlocking the Power of Your Spiritual Senses. Join me for this transformational experience where you'll learn how to engage, enhance and embrace your intuition on a whole new level. Plus, save 10% with the coupon code UNITY. Visit lisawilliams.com forward slash intuition and register today. Ready to roll the dice? Check out the new intention dice from Unity. Five dice, different colors, each with words that can prompt you to set an intention for the day, create an affirmation, or journal your thoughts. Roll the green die for abundance and see what comes up. Enriched, worthy, generous. Blue for health. Energetic, whole, radiant. Five dice, limitless possibilities for your life. Find them at unity.org dice. Do you dread going to work every day and just pray for Friday? Get a fresh perspective on your career with Mo Fall and bring your soul to work every Thursday at 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern, here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. A leadership mentor and career coach, Mo can help you go from underpaid, unsatisfied, and unappreciated to loving your life and career again. Join the show and let Mo guide you to make some real life changes. Tune in every Thursday here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Yes, indeed. We're talking with Jen Dolsky, the founder of Always and Forever Midwest Animal Sanctuary, a home, a haven for older dogs. We haven't even gotten to the dogs yet, and I'm already so inspired by Jen's story, how she turned the passing of her best friend, Sam, into something better, turning, giving gifts of love outward, as even as she was dying inside. Jen, you just got into the part in your story where you found this perfect parcel of land 
in Kansas, in Overland, Kansas. Why don't you take yeah. it from there? Okay, so I think we're talking a little bit oh. about um, the construction. And um, well, first of all, I hadn't saved anything for this. I had just bought the farm. I don't even know how to save money. I know how to spend it. Um, uh -huh. But I'm really good at um, paying whatever I owe. So student loans, that kind of thing. So I had great credit. Um, so I was like, well, I'm going to go to the bank. I'm going to ask them for $100,000. And um, hopefully they'll give it to me. And I, I went to the first bank. I remember the woman laughed at me. And I was like, well, that's disconcerting. And then I went to four <laughs> other banks. And they did the exact same thing. And I was like, well, I'm just going to give up hope. And not even that night, I found a bank online and they approved it. So um, I was like, wow. Um, okay, so it was good to go. I won't even get in the construction because that was yeah. its own headache. But as I got to the farm, um, the one thing that really changed for me was kind of what you said when you approached there. I couldn't um, acknowledge the sun because um, Sam had loved being in the sun and she loved being outside. And this farm helped me realize that even though my world felt so dark, the world was still beautiful around me. And mm. when I first got to the farm and I was starting the construction, I knew I was going to do the dogs. I was like, I need to share this with people who are just as lost as me. So that's when I turned Hope um, ASAP into a nonprofit. And I invited everyone that was in the grief group to the farm for a retreat that fall. Um, complete strangers that we had talked to, that we'd talked a lot online, but, you know, I opened up my house to them and that's how I met Lori and, um, mm -hmm. that you talked about at the beginning. Yes. So for four days, uh, we had campfires, we painted rocks, we planted a tree, we, um, pl I made everybody play kickball. Um, it was <laughs> just a place to be okay together or not be okay, um, together. Um, if you wanted to talk about your loved one, uh, we, we sang songs around a campfire. Um, and we really and that's, that's the, the beauty of, of support groups, because when you find that nobody else can understand your pain, then you find there are people that do understand. Whew, that's a lifesaver. So, um, but so that was, that was really the first time I also let other people back into my life because I, I kind of put myself in a shell. Um, so, Progress forward, May of 2018, everything was done with construction, and we opened our doors, and we had three dogs in the first week, and three volunteers, and I had literally no idea what we were doing. And the volunteers, we will admit, we didn't know what we were doing either. Um, the first rescue we went on, um, Steffi and I, we forgot a leash. Like, we showed up to get a dog. We didn't even have a leash. He's like, have you done this before? I was like, just lie and say yes. She's like, Jen, we don't lie. And then we both said no. And we just were like, what if she's aggressive? And she wasn't aggressive. Um, but, you know, stories like that and everything about us has been learning as we go and being honest well, me, about our experiences. Um, let me interrupt and, uh, you and just ask, what was your goal, your mission with this sanctuary? Yeah. So when I first started, I was like, okay, I know I have a legal limit for my county to only have up to 19 dogs. And I was like, all right, mm -hmm. so I'm going to have this barn be built everything like a home. So I had it, uh, you know, recited, new roof, flooring, air conditioning, a full kitchen, washer dryer, everything like a home. But I was like, I knew it would not, no kennels, 
if they're going to they're going to live here forever and it's going to be as much of a home like environment as possible and they're just going to live here forever the rest of their life and sleep all day and I'll take care of them in the morning and I'll take care of them at night if I have no volunteers I can do it all myself um, that was that was my original intention. So and were you hoping that some would get adopted or did it just not matter? They no, could just live I their last days I wasn't, there. I was like, this is a sanctuary. I can't do a rescue. That's way too hard. I don't know how to do uh-huh. that. Um, and we, I think we turned from three dogs into six dogs. And I do remember the first three days we were open, I was cleaning up so much diarrhea and messes. And I would just sit in there and cry. I'm like, what did I get myself into? I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't even know if these dogs are happy. But, you know, volunteer, word of mouth just started. And we, I, I had a Facebook page up and we're a small little town in Kansas and people started coming, and then in September, one of the volunteers fell in love with one of our dogs, and she wanted to adopt him. And to legally adopt, uh, we could go on quote-unquote vacation, but then they would have to come back. But um, she wanted to adopt, and I was like, well, okay, I'll get our rescue license just in case somebody wants to adopt. Mm-hmm. Um but I ended up finding out that, you know, we have kill shelters in the area. And you like to think that those don't exist anymore, but they are very, very much real. And mm-hmm. dogs that are seniors are youth listed all the time. And I'm not even kidding. The second that we got our license, we completely shifted focus. Vol- volunteers started coming in to help take care of the dogs. Um, we have pulled to date, we've saved 305 dogs in 13 months. So starting from three dogs to 300 in a year. Um, I Let never me just would've... stop right here because I remember when Ty and I uh, finally agreed on a, on a donation for you and he went out and he presented a check with you. You're, I'm only saying this to encourage others. <laughs> you looked at that check and what spontaneously came out of your mouth was, you just saved so many lives and that just yeah. did us in. And that's why, you know, I just think it's beautiful that you have a donation button on your Facebook page or on your website. Why don't you give us the URL for that right now? Um, it's always and forever, F-U-R-E-V-E-R dot love. Um, yeah. Or you can type in always and forever on Facebook and we pop up. So your first response when somebody gives you money is not, oh, I can buy more dog food or, oh, I can, you know, get a new roof. It's, oh, I can save more dogs' lives. So yeah, beautiful. I mean, that's that's truly what we do. And, and I tell people, um, you know, if, if they never thought that they could be a part of a rescue, they're wrong because adopting a dog or even fostering a dog, that's that's saving a life. Because for every life that moves out of the barn, we're able to bring another dog in that otherwise wouldn't be alive. We also take in dogs, um, too, that owners have passed away or have gone into hospice. And so much of this is just asking people to think, what would you do if you were 80 years old and going into home and who would take care of them? Um, so, so Jen, do be... me a favor. Pretend for a minute for everybody listening that you're an aging dog and you just got rescued by your sanctuary, Always and Forever Midwest Animal Sanctuary. What is life like for you when you walk into that barn? Um, You know, if I was the dog, dogs are amazing because the one thing that they have taught me is that they live in this moment. And 
no matter what their past is, no matter how much pain they've lived through, so many of them can be present with you, with the love that you can feel in that barn. So people ask me how much work I put into, you know, helping these dogs that are terrified in shelters. They do the work. They come in and they can almost just take a deep breath. Um, We had one dog come in from a rural pound um, that was beyond the worst nightmare that you could ever imagine that I have seen, and I've lost sleep over it. Um, His name is Oz, and he literally slept for like 15 hours. He was just zonked, but it was a deep, beautiful sleep where you knew he knew it was okay to be safe, uh, to Mm -hmm. to breathe and to rest. And um, that's where I find um, the most inspiration from are dogs that shouldn't be happy and shouldn't know what it's like to feel joy and should hate humans who have hurt them. We have a dog that was beaten as a puppy with a baseball bat, um, but now she, she's not good with other dogs, but she is loving and wonderful and perfect with kids and people. And they just, they teach you that yesterday is over and all we have is right now. And even though I live with my pain, I can go into this barn and others have told me, I don't care. You know, we post, well, we, I post so much on Facebook pictures because all I want to do is make people be able to see and experience a little bit of what I experience every day. And that's walking to to a barn filled with so much love of all these dogs that wouldn't otherwise be alive that are waiting for someone to love them. And it's, it's just special, and I don't know how to say it any other way, and oh, I know it's, I'm it's, biased. It's amazing. It was like something just took over our hearts when we walked in the door. The, the love, yeah. I've never felt anything like it, and to see Ty get with tears in his eyes just from being there, and it's not. It's from the dogs, it's from the volunteers, it's from you, it's in the couches, the couches everywhere. <laughs> I said it's like an old coffee house from the 60s, you know. These dogs, they just sprawl all over the couches, and again, people listening, please go to Always and Forever Facebook page or my Facebook page and look at these pictures because it, it'll just bring instant smile to your face to see yeah. the way these dogs are just like, they're at home. And the, what I will say is 100%, this is not me. This is everyone. I can't speak highly enough of how amazing the volunteers are, um, who are beautiful souls, who love my one role, who I, what I tell every single orientation is we love these dogs like they're our own and we treat them that way. And I would take a second mortgage out of my house to save my dogs. And I pretty much literally did that with these dogs in the barn. Um, Well, let me tell a story on you, Jen. Okay. Okay. So when we left there, I happened to know somebody who is the secret Santa and he's featured on NBC news every year. He is the secret Santa. And I happen to know that he lives in your area. So that's another God thing. And I've Mm -hmm. never asked for a favor for him from him. But all I did was reach out and I told him about your place. And I told him that you guys needed a van to transport the dogs to the vet back and forth. And if he happened to hear of one to, uh, take a look at your sanctuary. Well, little did I know that Secret Santa did his due diligence on you, Jen. And he reached out and he said, I did a little research on this lady. She's no ordinary lady. She's an attorney. And he told me some more things about your background. And he said said to his fellow elves that helped Secret Santa, he said, 
She has a nonprofit, and it's totally above board. She started it on $100,000. She pays no salaries to anybody, and she pays her debts. So I just thought that was so awesome that, that he did the background work. And then why don't you talk about the day you were having a volunteer orientation a couple months ago? <laughs> that was amazing. We, I'm, so every time we have a – we do it once a month, and we bring everybody out. We bring a dog trainer there just to help everyone get – acclimated to a 40 or a 20 dog environment kind of thing because it can be overwhelming and we have volunteers that are aged two months to 92 so everyone is welcome uh, but we I, I legitimately I think we had 50 people there that day so and we had a gravel driveway and it had been storming all week and it was muddy and awful and all of a sudden this Sunday the sun came out and it was a gorgeous day and so many people there and halfway through maybe close to the end, um, my friend Stephanie comes up to me. She's like, Jen, you need to go outside right now. The police are coming up. And my first thought was, oh, my God, what happened? Um, I was like, somebody did something wrong. The neighbors complained. We had too many dogs. Every possible awful (laughs) thought could have happened in my head happened. Um, And I'm like, the barn's getting shut down. And police car after police car with all their lights going I'm not even there there might have been 15 cars that started coming up the driveway and then the volunteers started trickling out and then the sheriff walks up to me he's like I'm looking for Jennifer Dulski and I'm like oh my god am I in trouble um I'm (laughs) I'm Jennifer Dulski I think those were my words and he's like I'd like to shake your hand and then the van came around the corner and Secret Santa came out and it was just the most magical day. You couldn't have scripted it to have come out anything better. Um, I talked to him. I met him. He was so kind and wonderful. And they gave the van and it was named after the angel van. Um, It was named the angel van after the fallen, um, the flights that had fallen. Um, He sent the story. I mean, it's just all, everything about it is beautiful. And they all came inside and he was passing out 20s to kids and the kids were giving it back for gas for the dogs. And (laughs) we use it to pick up um, animals at kill shelters and and transport food. And it was, you, it just, just just one beautiful moment after another. We were, we were, privy to all that was happening in the background and he even sent a video as the the motorcade of policemen with the police chief and the mayor all on their way there and we weren't able to be there but ty and i were following it in the anticipation and then the reality of it you know when when goodness is rewarded with goodness and people just love to help each other and and it's so clear what all of you and the volunteers are doing for these dogs that everybody loves a story like this and i know that your friend sam is part of it she's orchestrated it and she's helping you with it it's just beautiful yeah it's um you know it was just you couldn't have scripted that day to have turned out any more special um and we all look back on it and and you just smile because it's it's amazing and i had always believed that if i took the risk and if i built the barn people would want to help dogs because I would, you know, nobody wants to give money here, you know, put a building together, but you're inspired and you're led to help dogs that are in need. And that that's what every dollar does. And that's what I, I keep telling people is your, your dollars literally go to everything to take care of these dogs. And yeah, you don't dogs. even have adoption fees. It's no, we, and, and I I will refuse to ever have an adoption fee because I want people to understand when they when they adopt a dog that is a financial commitment. So 
you are committing to this the care of this dog. And if I don't believe that they will take care of the dog as long as much as I would, um, they don't get they don't get to adopt to us because our dogs are are their their souls and they're they're priceless and it's not just and me. Then, All of our volunteers love them. Then the other thing is that not every dog gets adopted, but the thing that touches me so much about you, Jen, and all of you who work there is that no dog passes alone. You hold them and you do what else? Um, yeah, them. so <laughs> they, um, and, and that kind of ties back to they, Sam, well, they, you eat, you feed yeah. them cheeseburgers, is what you oh, said. Oh, yeah, no, they go on pup dates. You know, so we, so when we know, it, it's always interesting, and we just we just lost one. Her name was Brindle on Monday, and um, I, you know, it's me, and it's it's one or two other people, or or even more, depending on who can be there. But so many people um, th- think that it's scary or it's too hard to be there, and um, you know, I will I will lay with them, and I'll play music, and I will look them in the eyes, and I. I promise them that heaven is better and then it's all, it's all going to be okay. And sometimes I fall apart. I always fall apart after. And so I think I messaged you before Charlie passed and I tried to be strong for him and let him know that he's only going to a good place. And I tell everyone um, that's involved that, you know, we never really truly know when it's the right time when you have to make that decision. I don't want to make the decision. I want to say, okay, you you pass on your own um, and I'll be there for you. But making the decision, there's comfort in knowing that when you do it from love, even if it's the right or wrong time, they know your intentions are good and they're only going to love, um, to, to heaven and in a good place. And, and, um, and if I could just share for those who do have pets across the veil, I have a new symbol when I do readings that the loved one in spirit, the human shows me cradling their pets. So that's the symbol that means the pet is here with me across the veil. Instead of talking about a pet that's still here on physical form, they show me cradling it and it's, and it's accurate that, the people here confirm, yeah, they had that dog or they had that cat. And this shows me that we do reunite with our, our beloved pets. So it's beautiful that you send them off with such love. Yeah. So, and, you know, it, if we didn't, then dying in, in a shelter and being thrown away in a garbage bag, um, I can't even, that just breaks my heart more than being there and holding them and saying goodbye. So well, um, I, I thank you it. for coming on the show today to, to encourage people to to adopt and to volunteer and to do the kinds of things you're doing. Now, I hear that your volu- you and your volunteers, you drive up to a couple hundred miles sometimes to pick up a dog that you hear about. We do. Yeah. Um, we pulled from Wichita a lot, which is about two and a half hours away. We've pulled from Oklahoma. Um, it, it just, you know, where there's a need, we, we find a way. It's a little bit harder when they're far. Um, but we've adopted out to Pennsylvania. We've adopted out to San Diego, Texas. We can ad- we can make that happen. We make happily ever after happen. <laughs> um, so. it's, well, the happily ever after is right there inside your barn. Do you have any happy stories or fun stories or funny things you want to share with us? Oh, gosh. You know, uh, everything about the barn is just... The dogs are so sweet. I, I will tell you, we had a we had a dog. Her name's Meredith. She's in the barn right now. Um, she was in a kennel on top of a kennel in such a dark pound with one light bulb, um, and just 
stirred up for six months, and she is probably the most loving, sweetest dog um, in the barn. Uh, and it's everything about the barn and, and the volunteers that see where they were, I think they're touched the most because they see the transformation within ours. And it's in just, the dogs when they come into yeah, that. Yeah, in the dogs. Yeah. So they see the conditions they were in before, and then they see them in the barn, and your heart can't help but explode. Um, I share all these pictures on Facebook so people can see how they are in the shelter and how they come in. And it's just, you know, it just makes you feel good. And that's why I post so much and I want people to see that there's so much good in dogs. And it's easy to love a dog because all they are is love. You know, people are harder. Um, but yeah, but happily, there's so much good in people too. When they get past the humanity, yes. that what's left is the heart, and you you yeah. you have found it in yourself as a result of your tragedy, and and oh, it's all about the connection, whether human or animal. Yeah, and um, you know, they're they're just you can't help but love them. You can't help but love the barn, and you can't help but want to be a part of it once once you see it on Facebook, once you're there in person. Um, but you even take in sick dogs. I mean, really sick dogs. Nothing's yeah, too well, hard for you, is it? You know, it doesn't matter if they're loved a day or if they're loved a year. Um, we just want to be sure that they know that someone loves them and that they mattered and that someone cares. Um, yeah, we've when, had when, when Ty and I were there, I mean, there's one dog walking around on three legs, just hopping around on three legs. There's another dog with this giant tumor in his side. Yep. And I know you know these babies. <laughs> They're all yeah, your babies. Mama. And yeah. these were the happiest dogs. Yeah. I mean, talk about vet runs. We take the, I mean, I, I can't speak, I, again, I can't speak amazingly enough about the people that help, but we take the dogs to the vet all the time. And, you know, there's not much you can do for a tumor that's half the size of your stomach, but you can love them and they love you and their quality of life is good um, because they're happy and they're loved. And that's what matters. And we absolutely take care of them to the 10th degree on vetting. But the most important thing is love because it changes, it, it truly changes everything. Yes, it does. And the volunteers, I just, we took a picture when we were there of the sign on the wall, volunteer duties. And what do you think is number one on that list, everybody? Pick up poop. <laughs> yes, there's no poop fairy. There's not. That's, that's, that's up there all the time. I have, I have perpetual um, poop picker uppers that come for that because uh, I do it every day. It's a huge part of rescue. And you know what? Yes, I, I either smell like poop or bleach. And you know what? It is what it is. So. It is what it is. But you know what's also beautiful are the murals on the wall there and on the floor. But you have this yeah. big mural with the Rainbow Bridge. What is your conception of the Rainbow Bridge for people that don't know what that is? So for the Rainbow Bridge, it's it's basically what the 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 dogs cross as they pass into heaven. So we've we've painted a rainbow bridge on the wall across all of our windows, and we've put upside down paw prints with the names of those we've lost. Um, we've also uh, have wind chimes out in the front now in the middle of our memorial garden um, for each uh, dog that has passed. So every time the wind blows, we 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 like to think that they're um, saying hi um, with that. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So we've been talking with Jennifer Dulski, and she is the founder and owner of Always and Forever. That's F-U-R, Forever 
Midwest Animal Sanctuary in Overland, Overland Park, Kansas. Is that right? Well, that's where I work. I'm in, we're in Spring Hill, Kansas. Ah, that's right. So we're a little Spring bit Hill, outside. Kansas. Yep. Yeah. And, and if people want to visit, they have to check in first. You don't just let people walk in, right? Yeah, no, Secret Santa tried to do that, and he was turned away the week before, which is, which is good because you can't, you can't, you good. have to set up an appointment. I thought that was perfect. He, he, he appreciated that, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you see this going, just continuing as you are? Um, I see it evolving into um, advocacy for change with respect to kill shelters and standard of care. Um, I see it continuing to grow with taking in seniors and improve and increasing our hospice care. Um, and I, I will always believe good attracts good. And we have wonderful fosters who come in and step into our shoes too, with respect to caring for even more animals that we couldn't care for at the barn that are paralyzed or um, other special needs. So there is no limit to our growth as long as we're willing to learn, um, especially from failures and from experiences. I'm sure you could share experiences all night long with us. And so when you go home from work, it's just straight to the barn, I'll bet. Yeah. And it's 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. and then shower to work. So it's, it's a lot of barn, but it's, it's, it's all good. You're starting your day with love. How could you beat that? Yep. Wow. Well, I thank you so much for sharing with us. Everybody, just send Jen a big hug. You've just lifted our hearts and inspired all of us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth, and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on The Next Room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.